Stall It with Darren and Joe, a Go Loud original podcast, proudly sponsored by Five Lamps. The beer from Ahir. Five Lamps is the locally brewed, great tasting beer. Try a local in your local. Get the facts, be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. Would you like to come and stall it? Ah, would you just stall it, look? I'd like to come and stall it. I'm not really in the mood. Well, come on and bleed and stall it. Yeah, house hatcher. I'm not a house hatcher. We'll stall it for the crack. We're gonna have a laugh. How are you doing, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Stall it. Episode what? 107. 107. Knocking them out of the park. Boom. Boom. Get out of here. Another episode. If you Boom. build it, they'll come. In our thousands. Starlet is a go-loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by the Five Lamps. The beer from Ah Here. The beer from Ah Here, leave it out. Yeah, there you go. What a cool company. What a cool drink brand. Isn't it? Absolutely, look. I love thy glasses. Thy glasses are just class. Yeah, I have a glass. It has all the quotes on it. And every yeah. time I, I have a sup me drink, I just feel like I'm drinking a part of you. A part of me? Because <laughs> all the quotes are the things you said in the ad. <laughs> <laughs> And did you visit drinkaware.ie? Not that time, no. Oh, what? You Oops. didn't? Of course I did. Oh. I made sure of it. I was like, got me good there. Like, Amy, get that get that up on your phone. My phone's gone dead. And she was like scrambling. She's like, no, I'm on TikTok. I'm watching some videos of cats. And I was like, no, no. And then she done it for me. And then, then I had us up. That's good. You never let me down. I don't let anyone down if it's a drinkaware.ie. You know all about responsible drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let anyone down. We go on with the show, will we? I'd like to talk a bit more about that. Oh, go ahead. Let's go on with the show. Okay. I might start by saying my voice probably sounds a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah, because He's, he was in the dentist. <laughs> I have braces on now. <laughs> no, I, I'm just I'm feeling a little, little bit under the weather. Yeah. One of the girls in the kitchen there gave me uh, orange and turmeric shot. Turmeric. And it was fucking disgusting. It's like drinking ashtray. All good things we are disgusting. Why is that? Like broccoli. Yeah, it's nasty. Disgusting, but really good for you. Ah. Fucking turmeric and ginger. Ginger. Well, People eat, you know, hobnobs. They're like ginger biscuits. Yeah. Why the fuck? Who said, do you know what? Let's take these lovely biscuits and uh, make them ginger flavour. Ginger bread men. fall apart, don't they? Do you like gingerbread men at Christmas? No. No, no one does. Ginger, hey ginger. Yeah. Do you know what? Speaking of biscuits, so, right? Point of order here. Hobnobs are not ginger. No, hobnobs are like fucking... Ginger nut biscuits oh, are oh, ginger. Ginger yeah, nut biscuits, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck, yeah. I just won't see the good name of hobnobs dragged to them. Yeah, hobnobs are pretty good. Sorry, I interrupted you there, but I thought I had to say that one. Don't worry about that's, it. Yeah. That's a valid fact check there now on yeah. me. But the, the ginger nut biscuits, disgusting. No, awful. And that's ginger. ginger. No, no offence. Ginger um, spice? No offence. Ginger spice? Barely getting away with yourself there. I know. <laughs> I know. Have a bit of a ginger beard going on as well. You do not have a ginger beard going on. That's ginger in that, isn't it? No. Fuck off. It's like a rusty. Don't kind you of try and identify reddish. as ginger? Yeah, you like you can't. That's that's a cultural appropriation. Yeah, now. that's what that is. Yeah. Well, speaking of biscuits, mm. yeah, while we're on the topic, my ma was over and she was having tea, and there was a packet of cookies on the table. So we went outside for a smoke. We left Frank in there. You know where this is going. We come back in, right? He's nowhere to be seen. Usually be waiting at the door because he's fucking, he has separation anxiety. Very needy. Right? Very okay. needy dog. So nowhere to be seen. I said, something's wrong. So I went in 
and all the biscuits were gone. Yay, all the biscuits. Six cookies he had. The little fat tub. In the space of five minutes, I'd say he was fucking inhaling them before we got in. Six Back biscuits doesn't seem like a lot, but yeah, he's only a small dog. Six, man. Six biscuits. They're not like small size cookies, they're bigger. The big ones, chunky cookies. Big American cookies. Yeah. Big chocolate chip cookies. Big fucking huge things. This this was last night? Two nights ago. Six of them. Scoffed. Did you have to bring them to the vet or something like that? Because no, don't he was be grand. I thought chocolate yeah, kills dogs. toxic to dogs. But not to Frank. Well able for it. Well able for it. So now we're giving him dirty milk for his breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's eating that. Uh, he's, he likes cookie crisps. In the dog bowl, bit of milk, yeah, cookie crisps. But like, you can't leave anything around. And we made a grave mistake there. And even if it's fucking high, he somehow gets it. How did he get them? Jump up on the seat? Well, the, you were on the kitchen table and the chairs that are at the kitchen table, he would have just jumped on that and then like... Can he jump up onto a... A chair? Yeah. Ah, yeah. The fucking size of him. He, he barely has legs. It's just a little roll. It looks like a black bit of mala. He always rub him. I do rub him. Yeah. You now when Joe comes off the mic off, he goes... I get you, get you, go. I get you, get. Don't even lie, don't yeah, you? I, do, yeah. I come here and say, I you wish 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 you you wish 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 you like human words that they understand, like walk and toilet and breakfast, breakfast, dinner, uh, smoke. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to smoke? Um, oh, go on, one, yeah. one, one word that he has is car, because the name he says, do you want to go in the car? He knows he's going to Ballymun to hold man's or something to see yeah. the other dog. Like, and uh, the other dog, what do you mean, the other dog? A man's dog. Like, so what kind of dog is that? It's a chihuahua. Two little pathetic dogs. <laughs> Fucking hell. They're actually quite nice dogs. A chihuahua and a pug. Yeah, combined, you probably have half a dog. Did you ever have a dog? I <laughs> had like, your own dog. street dog, yeah, <laughs> not the neighborhood dog. Yeah, I had a dog. I had a, a Bichon Frise. Bichon Frises they get diseases very easily, and he had big red scaldy balls, and he had issues with his spine and stuff like that. So we sent him to the farm. <laughs> there is no farm though. No, it's it's a uh, death. No. Yeah, doggy heaven. He's gone to doggy heaven. Ah, oh, that's sad, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, them I didn't have any emotional attachment to them though. Because But if you're a fan of dogs. I do like dogs, yeah. 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 yeah Oliver wants like a dog. Oliver, you should get one. Nah. Really? Yeah. Ah. No way. Once like nah, once you get it, like you, it just grow on you, it's part of the family. And then you'll be able to just wake up every morning and go, A you butchy boo. Woo 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 woo. Clean up a shite now. It's a radio guy that I had a big shite. <laughs> I go like that to Frank. Hey, should we just want to go in the car? And he's like, go on. Oh. Yeah, no, kids are enough, man. Two kids is a it's hard work. Do you have a dog? Oh, no, I used oh. to. What so happened? Bad. Was it the dog sent to the farm? Yeah, he, he died. He died. Stop sending dogs to a farm that doesn't exist. <laughs> the fictional yeah. farm. There's just some farmer with a million dogs. Like, for fuck's sake, they keep sending them out here. These shit dogs. Did your dog die from old age? Yeah. Isn't it gas when they get old? And they're just like, Ugh, they're just yeah. bollocks. Did you cry? Oh, God, yeah. Did it's you horrendous. cry? How, how long ago was this? Ten years ago we died. Oh, okay, Grant. No, I'm okay now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the time, I was pretty upset. We'd had him for, you, I don't know. If you had a dog and a dog, would you cry? I don't know, because I've I never been emotionally yeah. attached to an animal. Yeah, you've never had a proper dog. Companion. If you were emotionally yeah. attached to an animal, look, you would cry, wouldn't you? I'll have to take two weeks off the podcast when that happens. I'd understand. Mm-hmm. He won't. I will. 
I'd be like, it's a fucking dog. Get another one. They look the same. Sorry, they act the same. That's what I'd be like. You'll get no sympathy from me when that dog dies. Shocking. That's fucking terrible. I hope someone sends in an email about you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a divisive situation. People will agree with me. Do you know what? Ugh. When people treat their dogs like babies, I think that's weird. You're and they call themselves dog mothers and dog fathers <laughs> and all. You're not a bleeding dog, dog father. Yeah. You're a master. Coming from the fella that comes in and says, Alright, alright. Like let's stop talking about doggy talk. We've got something to talk about. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but no, you're dead right. There's more important. There's pressing business. Pressing matters. To discuss what business. What's that? We know what it is. I don't know what it is. Vicar Street. Oh, Vicar Street. A live show. It's a good venue. I was saying it's a good venue. It's a good good spot. And it's also a great venue for Stale. Oh, Probably seen it up on the social. Maybe, maybe. But if you didn't, tell them, what are we doing? We are bringing Stahl at Live to Vicar Street on the 29th of September at 8pm. Get up there with that. I feel like, I think manifesting stuff is kind of bullshit, but like, I said to you, before we even started this podcast a couple of years ago, I was like, I want to play Vicar Street. Mm. I want to sell it out. That's been a vision of yours a long time. Yeah. So I'm excited. I cannot fucking... I am buzzing for this. Yeah. Like, Liberty Hall was amazing. Vicar Street, though, is the pinnacle of comedy mm. for me. Like, you can't do comedy and not do Vicar Street, so... You just have to look at the people that played there down through the years. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone that's somebody and... Who anyone who's anyone. Aslan. Aslan, yeah. Not, not a very funny act, though. No. <laughs> Dylan Moran. Tommy Ternan. Tommy Ternan. You done a live podcast, the, the Have Awards. Have Awards, yeah. A couple of weeks ago. And it's grand once you're up there, actually. Like, the fear is beforehand, isn't it? The build-up. Yeah. And once you're out, you're just like, fucking star up, man. <laughs> and we already have plans for it. So, yeah. And it's already shaping up to be a brilliant show. So if you haven't already, go on to Ticketmaster now and get your tickets for Stale in Vicar Street. On it's the not just going to be a sit-down podcast the way we are here. There's going to be lots of entertainment in it and... <laughs> lots of pieces of uh, <laughs> lots of entertainment in this podcast too. <laughs> it's not like the podcast it's be lots of you, you, you be like, I should yeah. have said there's going to be like physical gags and it's going to be a show we're going to put on a show yeah. for you yeah. so it's going to be really good Some well worth can I ask can I just say one thing mm -hmm. does mm -hmm. anyone have a land of a seagull costume hello <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, answer me he's talking to the audience the great thing about doing a live show like the last one that we done in Liberty Hall, afterwards you got to meet everybody and they mm -hmm. talked to you about the podcast. When you put a video up online, you can see the reaction. But when you put a podcast out, you don't really get to see the reaction. So it's great to actually sit in a room where everyone that listens and that knows the podcast and that likes it's a weirdo, it. Like it's weirdo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great to be in a room and just fucking have the yeah. crack. At the point of recording this podcast, the tickets aren't on sale. Yeah. So by the time... This, this episode actually comes out. It might be sold out, <laughs> but it might not. Yeah, it could be, but it might not be either. So. Yeah. It's like you the thought you were great down mm. the Vicar Street and 30 people showed up. <laughs> I know, it's going to be class. It is going to be class. I've already got messages from loads of people that are, yeah. that are gone. So. I, was saying, I'm I was saying to you, a fellow now from Fingless, text me, he was like, uh, 10 of us want to go, will we get tickets? Friday morning, I was like, yeah, yeah. Sure Ten lads yeah. from Finglas at one table. All tall, Darren. Mental. Back your own, huh? <laughs> Back your own. Loads of lads from your end as well. Yeah, yeah. Back your own. Be a gang from town going, please God. Half of the bridge. Your man on. <laughs> Will your man go to this one again? Your man go to this one, yeah, definitely. Jesus. I'm going to get my man to go. They can sit together. And sing the theme song. 
Would you like to fucking style it? Style it. Style it to Vicar Street, will you? For yeah. fuck's sake. We have a bit of crack. Oh, yeah. and uh, there's going to be prizes. Yeah. There's some memorabilia from throughout the last 100 plus episodes of the Style of Podcast. And we're going to be giving it out on the night at Vicar Street. Yeah. Nobody better to give it to than the fans of the podcast. Exactly. Absolutely. The shield is gone, though. The, the shield, shield is gone. won the shield. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. Exciting stuff, you're right. But there is. A, there's a Thanos glove in there. There's that massive... The I have to hardback I, comic book. Yeah, I think we might need some clearance from Heroes Cafe for this. <laughs> I thought we got that. I told Anto from Heroes Cafe that like we don't use the video studio anymore. We still have all stuff. We'll like, drop it out here or something. And he was like, "I oh, just like hang on to it, or, like give it away or something." And that's all. Thanks, right. Anto. Nice one, Anto. Yeah. So shout out to Heroes Cafe on Cable Street, who not only sell unbelievable toys, they sell coffee, coffee and, and sandwiches. sandwiches. And see, he called them toys. Toys, yeah. I did pick up on that. Figured. You said it yourself. You let the cat out of the bag there. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did he sell figures yeah, or uh, nice recovery. young adults, <laughs> they also sell toys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't even get into it. Go I won't on. Even get into it. Ah, fuck it. Go on. So, Owen, I believe you have a story for us today. Story time. Story time. Oh, we love a good story. I went and found a strange partially unexplained story for you partially unexplained mm. we're off to Australia this time 1948 what a year post-war era <laughs> 7 o'clock on Tuesday November 30th to be precise at 7 in the evening tea time right tea time tea time yeah 7pm I, I mean I have two boiled eggs at 7 o'clock we're on Somerton Beach which is a seaside resort just a few miles south of Adelaide and a jeweller named John Bain Lyons and his wife are out for a walk and they see a very smartly dressed man, probably in his 40s, lying on the sand, propped up against a seawall. Was he doing sand angels? He wasn't. His legs were outstretched, his feet were crossed, but they could see him like he was stretching out his arm and leaning back. And they thought maybe he was drunk. Acting a little strangely, but, you know, he's trying to light a smoke. <laughs> and he looked down like, right. hey, it seems a bit pissed, that's strange. And also, why is fella in a very smart suit sitting on the beach? It is very hard to light a smoke when you're drunk, though. Mm. About half an hour later, another couple saw him. Same situation. They noticed that his shoes were very finely polished. And at this point, he wasn't moving. But they thought maybe he had fallen asleep. And they headed on. Then the next morning, a couple of jockeys are out exercising their horses. And they see the man. This is early in the morning. And they approach him. And they see that he is dead. Why was that jockeys on a beach? <laughs> what the fuck was that all about? People ride horses on beaches. <laughs> yeah, in films, like bleeding. No, they do it in, they have races in Bettystown Beach. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. They have horse races on the beach. On the beach? Yeah, we should go. <laughs> Sandown Park. Don't think it's... Oh, just the name Sand is in it. It's on, it's on grass. <laughs> <laughs> so the police obviously turn up. There's no marks of any violence. There's no signs of a struggle. There's no signs of vomit or anything that like he might have been poisoned or drank too much or overdosed or anything like that. There's not a whole lot of sand on his shoes. So it wasn't like he'd been up and down the beach. And in his pocket, he had an unused train ticket from Adelaide to that beach. He had a pack of Army Club cigarettes. Good brand. Yeah, but inside the box was a brand called Kenzitas, which was much more expensive, which was a bit strange. Um, so he had two packets of smokes. He had one packet. Of, he had a 
different brand in a different packet. Like. So yeah, he had the box was Army Club cigarettes, and inside it was uh, so seven like, smoke. The box was John Player Blue, but inside yeah. was Silco. Yeah, mm. there you go. Okay, uh, weird. Pack of chewing gum matches, couple of combs, but no wallet, no cash, and no ID. There was a half smoked cigarette lying on his shoulder, kind of his shoulder collar. He died smoking. That's what I want to go. It's the smokes that done it, and all the tags were cut off his clothing, like the all the labels cut off the inside. So, few things they noticed in the post mortem, they noticed he had no lateral incisors, their teeth, right? So, kind of just at the front, but not quite your canines, you know, just inside them. Those teeth didn't have them. He also they noticed he had very very strong calf muscles, which they thought was a bit strange to the point that, like they said. Maybe was he a ballet dancer or like weirdly well-toned legs? <laughs> this dead body is very sexy. <laughs> yeah. The doctor who did the autopsy put the time of death at no earlier than two in the morning. And he said the likely cause of death was heart failure. And he said he suspected poisoning. So the coroner wouldn't rule out murder at this stage. Mm. The two o'clock time of death also suggested poisoning might be possible because he had been seen seemingly intoxicated the night before. The corpse's pupils were a lot smaller than normal and they thought it was strange that there was a dribble of spit down the side of his mouth as if he had suddenly been unable to swallow. Then they look inside him and they say his spleen was about three times the normal size. His liver was also massive, both filled with blood. Stomach also filled with blood. And this is where they started to say, yeah, they said this looks like poisoning. Oh, I thought you were going to say this looks like an alien or like a... Like a horse's liver or something. I thought he like was that. like hovering over the sand because there was no sand under his shoes. Yeah. A mad alien or something. Conspiracy thing. They're looking at the autopsy and going, definitely symptoms of poisoning, but then they get someone in to test for poison and there's absolutely no trace whatsoever of any poison. So they're baffled. So there was a, a professor, Sir Cedric Stanton Hicks. This fella seems really new stuff about poisons. And he said one possible answer was that an extremely rare poison had been used. One that basically disappeared very, very quickly after death. There was only two poisons in the world at the time that they knew could do this. And when they went to do the coroner's inquest, he wouldn't say them out loud in court because they didn't want people to know what they were Mm -hmm. because they were that lethal. You could kill someone with absolutely no trace with these poisons. So the names anyway are Digitalis and Stropophantin. So Joe, Michaelman, useful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> good to know good to know the names yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah very dramatic in the coroner's court he passes a sheet of paper to the coroner with the names of the poisons on them because he, he won't dare read them out loud for the public to hear but can I go back to yep. like the cigarettes uh-huh. in the different box yeah was there no kind of implications that that was done purposely because them cigarettes that were placed in that are poisoned obviously there was no poison found but like that is something people suspected yeah, yeah. possibly someone had it just doesn't make Given sense that these like, fancy there was, smokes. Yeah, different smokes in the wrong pack. Like. Some people would do that. Apparently back then it wasn't that uncommon, but people would do it more the other way around. They put cheaper smokes in a to make it look like they have exactly a bobbly. Yeah. So well, you, you used to, you could buy cigarettes singles. You could suppose, just buy one. Yeah, so you probably just buy probably just buy them onto the pack and, and lob them into whatever packet you had. Yeah. So they can't identify the body. There's no obviously the tags are all gone off the clothes put out messages like obviously public appeals when you um, say when you say the tags are gone off the clothes do you mean the, the where the price tags were, were made like the no the labels like so you have like with, with the little there. iron on it 
Yeah. <laughs> like on the washing machine. Yeah. So anything that would identify where it was made or who it was made by, often back then people would have their name on their clothes. All these things were gone. So they put out a public appeal with a picture of them. Police said they were basically running a taxi service to and from the morgue with people who said they had information and wanted to see him and uh, nobody actually could identify him. And so keep in mind this happened like the start of November and by January 11th, the police had basically run out of ideas. All the leads that had come in from the public appeals had gone absolutely nowhere. They had nothing really left to do. What they did was they decided they'd try and look through all the lost and founds around the city. So they went to hotels, actually. They went to dry cleaners and then they went to the lost and found in the main train station in Adelaide and they found a brown suitcase that had been left there on November 30th, which was the day that this guy was spotted on the beach. The case had had all its stickers and markings taken off. The label had been taken off. Inside, there was a jacket, a shaving kit, and a butter knife shaved down to a sharp point. He's a fucking time traveller. Why do you think he's a time traveller? I don't know. I'm just thinking like Inspector Gadget or something. <laughs> because the suitcase. And <laughs> Inspector even though, Gadget. Even though he wasn't a time traveller, but I don't know. They found a thread in there as well. It was a strange sepia colour, and it actually matched stitching that have been used to repair the clothes on the body in the beach. So then they're starting to think, okay, we might have a match here. The tags were missing from all but three items of the clothes. And they had the name Keen on them, as in K-E-A-N-E. Oh, and, the English way. That's how yeah. the Irish Keen. C-I-A-N. Mm. Well, possibly surname. Okay. Keen. Right and Keen. whenever it was printed to write the name, suggested that they might be army-issued clothes. And the coat that was in the suitcase had been stitched, I'll tell you how far back it is, using a type of stitch that was not used ever in Australia. They actually had a tailor come and identify and he said that was 100% made in America. There's no way this coat was made in Australia because nobody here does stitching this way. So they start to look through, you know, shipping and immigration records and all this, see if there's any record of a Keen or any man matching this description who came in and out of Australia. Absolutely nothing. And then four months after the discovery of the body, the coroner finds one tiny new piece of evidence tucked into a small pocket in the trousers that they hadn't noticed before. Like, it was a small pocket that was in the waistband. The Johnny pocket? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. And in there was a piece of paper. It was so tightly packed in, they had to use a tweezer to get it out. And unrolled, it had two words written on it. Tamam should. Tamam should. Tamam should. Doesn't like, ring any bells. T-A-M-A-M S-H-U-D. Fuck was an alien. Then there's a fellow called Frank Kennedy. He's the police reporter for a newspaper called the Adelaide Advertiser. He recognises that it's the final words of a classic book of Persian poetry, mm-hmm. the Rubaiyat. And translated from Farsi, Tamam Shud means it's finished. The pyramids. <laughs> I'm after finishing the pyramids. I'm, I'm going to kill myself I'm now. I'm after finishing it. I'm <laughs> have a few Johnny Blues on this beach and call it a day. <laughs> the police put out a call for anyone with a copy of the book and say, does anyone have a copy of this book that's missing the back page? Because that's where this phrase would have been found. Four people came forward, but only one had a book where they could tell the paper was the same type of paper that they found in the man's pocket. And this fella had a very strange story. So it was in December, just after the discovery of the body. He was out for a drive with his brother-in-law and they parked a few hundred yards from Somerton Beach. 
the brother-in-law found a copy of this book of uh, Persian poetry, the Rubiat, lying on the floor of the back seats. Apparently, the man and the brother-in-law both presumed the other one owned it. Because like, they didn't know he was into Persian poetry. That's a bit strange. Threw it in the glove box. Totally forgot about it. Then they see this report on the news and they go, is that that book? They had absolutely no idea where it came from. Neither of them knew where this book came from. It was just in the back of their car. Yeah, so they both thought the other one had put it there. And now they're looking back and the window was open on the car while they were out for the walk on the beach. So while they were gone from the car, someone threw this copy of the book in. And they open up the book and the back page is missing. Those two words. What the fuck? So did they like fucking carbon date this book and see what, where it came from? They said it, it did match the, the piece of paper that they found in the pocket. Okay. Inside this copy of the book that was found in the car, they found rows of random letters. One was M-T-B-I-M-P-A-N-T-P. And they got, I'm a motherfucking M-T-B-I-M-P. <laughs> <laughs> they got code breakers from the Australian Navy in to have a look. Nobody could figure it out. They went public asking people if they had any idea what this code could mean. Some people got very invested in it. One fellow told police he drank 10 pots of tea so he could stay up all night trying to figure it out. He didn't. This led to theories that this might be something to do with the Cold War and spies and so on. Do you remember when we talked about the spies and the... Shortwave radios. And the number pads with yeah. the shortwave radio. So you'd have to have a code and then you hear the corresponding number over the shortwave radio and then you check it across your code and only you can crack the code if you have this select number of letters or whatever it is. Mm. Where was the letters? It was on the back of what? In the book? Yeah. Handwritten? Yeah. Please. Oh, I thought it was like letters like cut out and stuck onto the back. Like a, a Marvel film? It was just Yeah, like in the Riddler or something. That would have been a cool lap of. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> also inside the book was a phone number for a local bank and also for a woman who lived just down the road from the beach. So they visited her, they showed her the book and she recognised it, but she wouldn't tell the police why or how. She said, she, oh, I've never seen that copy. I know I know this book, but I haven't seen that copy of it. She I get, poisoned. I get like cult vibes off it a bit, some sort of like Freemasons or something's going on, something yeah. fishy about it. So police felt she knew more than she was letting on. So they went and at this stage, the remains of this man had obviously begun to decompose. So they obviously had to bury this man at some point. But before they did, they made a plaster cast of his head for the of crack. his face <laughs> so that they could show it to people. Mm. So they went back to this woman and showed her and showed one her of the plaster cast of showed the up pe- with this man's Do you head. know this man? Like, imagine yeah. you did know it. Imagine it was a husband and you show up with his like decapitated head well a cast of it but like do you know him? Yep. Well he's dead. <laughs> Smoked a silk up. <laughs> Killed him. It seems she did recognise him. She saw it and then stared at the ground and refused to look at it again. And one of the detectives there, Sergeant Lionel Lean, said, sorry, I should say this woman's name was Joe Thompson. So he said, Thompson appeared completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance she was about to faint. And then she just said she wouldn't talk about it anymore. And then she never talked about it again? Mm, It was her husband and he was down the door, Donna. Well, the police, they're not getting a whole lot from Joe Thompson. But she does say, about the book, she says, yeah, no, I know that book, but I, I don't know this copy of the book. She says she gave a copy to a man called Alfred Boxel. Alfred Boxel. Police tried to find him. They couldn't. They thought he was dead for a while. They eventually found him, but he had the copy of the book and it was intact. So it wasn't him. But Alfred Boxel, it seems, had some history possibly working as a spy. Oh. Now, there was some pretty important 
missile bases and a uranium mine very close to Adelaide, right. which fed into the whole Cold War thing. Maybe that could be the poisoning, like the radiation from the uranium. They probably would have picked that up, though, would they? In the 40s. They probably wouldn't test for fucking radiation. Oh, he still had a head of hair, though. Joe Thompson, who was the woman who lived near the beach, she had uh, a daughter called Kate, who later on said that after the police interviewed her, her mom admitted to her that she lied to the police. She did know who the man on the beach was. And uh, she said, quote, he was known to a level higher than the police force. So says her daughter. Her daughter also says she suspected they might both have been spies because she had heard her mother speak in Russian, but never got an explanation as to how she understood or could speak Russian. Well, mm. Mm -mm. So anyway, there are no ideas. Nobody knows what's going on. So the police kind of leave it. But there's lots of, you know, amateur sleuths and that out there. There is a professor. Professor Charles Xavier put a team of superheroes together and killed Joe Thompson. And Magneto. Joe Thompson is Magneto. And our man on the beach was Wolverine. Joe Thompson's identity was hidden for a long time. But eventually people who were investigating this figured out who she was. And once they knew that, they were able to figure out she had a son called Robin. Robin had a fairly rare occupation. Okay. Time traveller. Robin was a ballet dancer. Fat calves. Yeah. Oh my God. So your man on the beach did ballet? Robin is the dead man. <laughs> Robin, when he gets older, goes back in time and kills himself. So there's a... <laughs> That's that it. <laughs> a professor. Is that a theory? It's your theory. <laughs> and who's to say it's any less valid than any other theory? <laughs> There's a professor of electrical engineering in Adelaide University called Derek Abbott. He's uh, doing his washing in the laundromat one night and he reads about Summerton Man in a magazine. And he says, this is weird. Is this a years after? Yeah, this is like in uh, 2007. Oh, for fuck's sake. We're way Jump. Up. Yeah, we're way on. Big so, jump in the timeline there. Everyone's forgot about it at this stage. So he thought that this would be something interesting to talk to my students about, see if they can come up with any ideas about it and so on. He ended up becoming obsessed with it. He got into a professor of anatomy at his university who looked at pictures of the Somerton man and he noticed something strange. that the man's ears, you know the way in your ear you have kind of two hollows? So one where the eardrum is yeah, and then one above it. I didn't know that. That that kind of freaks me out a little bit. I think this is the one up here. And then, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. that terrible. little thing where you could fit like a little, little sweet corn or something. M exactly. Or something. <laughs> now, that's called your Simba, C-Y-M-B-A, right? Most people, that's smaller than the big one around your ear opening. I've been checking now. Anyway, yeah, Somerton Man, it was bigger. Uh, he, he noticed this in 2007 through pictures. Someone, he, a professor of anatomy was looking at the pictures for him and noticed this, yeah. I remember we said he didn't have lateral incisors, so those teeth beside the canines. Yeah. Right, which is very rare. Also, having that but the fangs, different the shape of ear is, is very rare. Inside of the fangs. Just fang. inside them. Yeah, just inside your little fangs there. Besides your two front teeth. Oh, these two? Yeah. Imagine not having them. It'd be fucking with me smiling. So our man, Derek Abbott, also consults with some dental experts who say that, yeah, looking at the pictures... Uh, he had hypodontia, which is a genetic disorder where both of those incisor, incisors are missing. So this is two very strange physical features he has. Abbott gets a picture of Joe Thompson's son, Robin. And guess what he doesn't have? His uh, incisors. His, yep. No. Guess what he does have? Big ear, hole yeah. in his ears. He's a fucking time traveller. He's a shapeshifter. And he has big fat caps. Well, now, we don't know how fat Robin's calves are, but he was a ballet dancer. Okay, so maybe he's not a time traveller. Maybe it's his outfit. 
which seems a little bit more believable. <laughs> that does, but I kind of want so, them to be a time traveller for the, the entertainment so, value. It's looking like there's a, a connection here between this Thompson family and our man on the beach. Mm-hmm. So, Derek Abbott tries to track down the family and Joe Thompson, the woman who lived near the beach, she has died. Robin had died quite young, I think in his early 40s, so he's not around, but he does track down Robin's daughter. Her name is Rachel. So this is the granddaughter of Joe Thompson. She had been raised in New Zealand. She's actually adopted and raised in New Zealand. She didn't know any of her family history. So she really couldn't give him a whole lot of information. He asked her to go out for dinner so he can chat to her. And uh, she says, he wanted to look at my ears and my teeth. And he was asking questions like, get DNA samples. And the next day, right, this is the first time they've met. They go for dinner. The next day that they decide to get married. The next day? What the f- She was really into the DNA sampling, was she? Jesus. What the hell? The next day they decided to get married. They're now married with three kids. Wow. Yeah. Love at first sight. That's just like a subplot in this whole thing. It's got... So it's no to do with the No. And this was 2007. Hey. Yep. I think it has everything to do with the story. The body was embalmed, as bodies are, and that usually destroys all the DNA in a body. But when they looked at the plaster cast, a couple of his hairs had been caught in that. If they were able to get the hairs from the plaster cast, they could possibly get a piece of his DNA. When you embalm somebody, it loses all their DNA? Yeah, apparently so. They were able to get uh, this piece of hair and test it for DNA. They compare this to Rachel, Rachel being Robin's daughter, and Robin, the man who had these missing teeth and the big holes in the ears and was a ballet dancer. The DNA was not a match. Sick. So he's a time traveller. Okay. Then what the fuck is going on? Don't tell me nobody knows, like, now until we crack it. So they were able to do more tests on the hair then, and they sent it off to one of those big... DNA farms that we all now voluntarily give our DNA to like Ancestry.com and Class I can't wait to do that <laughs> Not me Derek Abbott had one hair left with an intact root and had to get checked in the US so he was very nervous about this but he posted it off he was worried it would get lost and then obviously he'd have nothing left <laughs> Just one but luckily it actually turned out to be a really good sample and they were able to get loads of information out of it and out of one piece of hair yeah they were able to then narrow it down to 4,000 people who shared enough DNA markers with the Somerton man. Okay. From that point, they start going through this list and say, who could possibly be related to him? Of these 4,000 people, they managed to narrow it down to one person who they think is the man on the beach. His name is Carl Webb. He was from Australia, born in 1905. He had a brother-in-law called Thomas Keane. Remember the label on the clothes? Yeah. In the suitcase? Keane, yeah. yeah. Keane had also spent time in America, which would explain why... The American stitching. Yep. Also, very importantly, there's no records of him after 1947 of Carl Webb. How did he have his DNA? So they would have had DNA for his descendants. Oh, okay. Trace it back down through the books. Yeah, so they tracked down his great-grandnephew and he was able to tell them that in the family he actually had three missing great-granduncles. The family had been reported to police for decades. At the time, they thought this fella, Charles Webb, was the man on the beach, the Somerton man. But... The police got confused because there was two missing uncles and they said, oh, they must mean the other fella, but he's bald and the fella on the beach had a full head of hair. So cross that one off the list. It was that simple. That's how they missed it at the time. Okay. They found this fella through someone. Uh, he was talking about his grand uncles and shit. Mm. I barely even know my uncles. If someone came to me and says, here, tell me about your grand uncles, I'd say, ah, go away out of that. I went to a funeral. I didn't know half of the people that were at it. Yeah, it would be the same. And that was me, my granduncle, like, you know what I mean? My granddad's brothers, who was my godfather, he passed. 
and it was at his funeral and then it was all the other brothers that were there and I'm like I don't know any of these they were probably all the Somerton man <laughs> they're all time travellers I'm telling you great uncles they're all time travellers <laughs> so at this point the police have never confirmed if they agree or disagree with the idea that Carl Webb is the Somerton man but it, I mean it seems pretty likely he was the family have pictures of him and that and yeah, it's the same guy he was an electrical engineer his wife Dorothy had described him previously as a very kind of solitary man lived a quiet life but he was also quite moody could be violent and threatening small things could set him off ah, but it was the 40s give him a break he was fond of poetry used to write a bit himself and he had attempted suicide with an overdose of ether she nursed him back to health and he gave out to her for saving him then she in September 1946 she left him he moved from where they had lived in 1947 and there was never any more records of him so that's definitely him then looks like it yeah and the police and no authorities in Australia have come out to say it's not him they just haven't been able to I think confirm it to whatever standard they need so this was only it was only discovered then like in 2017 no no this is like a few months ago a few months ago a few months ago really they, they narrowed it down to this fella Carl Webb yeah Really? Jesus. Okay. Why was he smoking silk and John Player blue packets? Well, that's the thing. So even though, and I'm afraid I have very little more information for you at this point. So we know who the guy on the beach is, but that's about it. If you look this up, there's loads of headlines like, oh, mystery of the Summerton man solved. But there's lots like of unanswered stuff there. It's not closed. Like, there's so many unanswered fucking theories and questions. Like, like how he died. Mm. Even if you presume it was poisoning, why was yeah. he poisoned? Did he poison himself? But wasn't he suicide before? Wasn't he saying either. smoking on a beach? Yeah, that's the very start. Yeah, the very night before he's, he's like, found, he's he's, seen he's alive. Like, yeah, I guess he could have taken poison on the beach. But didn't you say that the coroners didn't find poisoning in his body? They didn't find any poison. They found the body was in a condition that suggested. Oh yeah, the poison. poison like the, his liver and his stomach were full of blood, which would suggest he was poisoned. But yeah, there was no trace of poison in his body. Huh, and. There's stuff about Joe Thompson, you know, speaking Russian, this fella Alfred Boxall, who she gave the copy of the book to him, having potentially worked in the intelligence services in Australia. The letters still don't make any sense then. Oh yeah, the letters. What they now think that might have been, it's just the names of horses that he put bets on. That's oh, the Jesus that's the best sake. theory at the moment. Oh, that it was just, there was no kind of, there was no code to it. What about your woman Joe? Why was she so scared about... Yeah, well, that's the, also possibly she'd had an affair with him and maybe she's seen him on the beach before he died and remembered his face and it's just like I don't want to fucking know anything about that like or maybe because Robin Joe's son mm-hmm. shared so many similarities to him maybe Robin's dad whoever he is looked a lot like him because he didn't have teeth and stuff like that maybe they were, they were very similar like a doppelganger mm. yeah. kind of weird for someone like that if they were kind of similar to end up like so close to home it's mad, yeah. It's mad coincidence. Hyper-orthodontity. I'm kind of fucking disappointed that, like... It's not open-ended, it's, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, it's just some fellow who killed himself. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a time traveller. I really was hoping for something like that. The fat calves, has that been explained? No, nope, that hasn't. Just done lots of leg days. Used to walk around high heels. <laughs> Got these shorts today. Good polyester, 100% polyester, I not Years ago when I was a kid, we used to go to this place that had a raffle. 
Like an, it was like, like an old folks home. But you used to have raffles. You'd pick tickets and you'd win prizes. There'd be hampers. Just one place dedicated to a big raffle. They'd done it once a month. And it's only now that I look back. Everyone. My cousins, aunties, like there was about 35 of us. What was the biggest prize? There'd be like hampers of like vodka and, and there'd be crap prizes like jigsaws and shit like that. Like whatever people brought to the raffle, I guess. Because I didn't know at the time it was actually a charity raffle. Okay. And it was being held in Nazareth House on Malahide Road. That's a hospice, like where old people go to die. And we used to go and we didn't know anyone in Nazareth House. Right. They'd just be like, how did you get wind of this raffle? I don't know. Like, so one of the cousins or one of the aunties said, there's a raffle up there. Nobody goes. You can win loads of shit. <laughs> we used to just go up and buy loads of tickets and we'd win loads of stuff and we'd take it and then we'd just go to Cavanaugh's for a little carvery afterwards. What did you win? What are you after winning? I'm after winning a bottle of vodka. I'm after winning Jenga. I'm after winning that Jenga game. Bleeding mad. Did you ever do anything like that? Like raffles or anything? I remember when I walked in the pub, there was a benefit night on. I was behind the bar. And uh, there was a raffle for the benefit night person going around selling tickets. They came up and like, do you want to buy some tickets? And I was like, I'm not sure if I can. Like, I think it's only for people here. He's like, oh no, like the money's going to the family, like for the benefit night. And I was like, oh well, happy days. Like, so I got uh, a whole book. <laughs> I, just, I got uh, like two pages or something for like 10 quid or whatever. And uh, I was behind the bar a while later and I was checking my tickets when they were calling them out. I was like, I'm after winning. What did I get? What did you get? An iPad. You got an iPad? Yeah. You were the true beneficiary of that benefit night. <laughs> Straight up on adverts. <laughs> Didn't need it. Yeah, can I get a receipt with that, please? <laughs> yeah. That is mad. I played an iPad. An you iPad. An iPad? Yeah, an iPad. Now, that's better than Jenga. When my brother died, we had a benefit night in the, the bridge to raise funds for the funeral. It's very expensive to have a funeral. The fucking cost of dying. Mm. Jesus Christ. Do you know how much a coffin is? 20 grand. No. Higher. I don't know if you're serious. <laughs> Do you think a coffin is 20 oh, grand? <laughs> maybe like two grand? Yeah, about that, yeah. Well, if you want a big expensive. fucking Elvis Presley coffin though. I know, yeah, like made of platinum gold. I'd love one of them. Me outfit got cremated and he said he wanted like a wicker basket because you're only going to be bleeding Buddington or anyway, you know what I mean? Mm. You're only going into the furnace. But me ma couldn't bring herself to buy a, a really cheap like fucking plank of wood like a wicker basket. <laughs> so she ended up getting like a 12 apostles really fucking expensive one. Are you serious? Like what? <laughs> it's it's you're quite born gr- in it. It's you're quite grim. It's, oh, it's, well, yeah, it's bleak, yeah. yeah. I'd like to get cremated though. Would you? Yeah. That's how you'd like to go. Anakin Skywalk went that way, so. Yeah, in the Twelve Apostles coffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you go to the cremation? Yeah. Oh, what, the actual flames? No. You go into a small... <laughs> would you like to see that, would you? Yeah. No, it's like a furnace. They stick it into a furnace and they close the door. And and you get to keep the ashes, obviously. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where's your Taz ashes? Ashes. Right? Your mask, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, in the metal. It's yard. mad, isn't it? Like It is mad, yeah. That like you could just be ashes. If you were to spread your ashes, your kids spread your ashes, where would you where would you spread them? On bread? Neat. <laughs> Eat me. Stick me in a cup of coffee. Put on a few ham and cheese jowls there. No. The whole point of being cremated is because it's too expensive to bury someone. So that's another cost. If you get you get your coffin, that's two grand. I always thought it was just a fear of waking up in the coffin. That's a fear that you should have Regardless. in the eighteen hundreds. 
regardless of how you're going to say regardless. Like you're very much dead when you're in the coffin. Your insides ah, have been... just that little chance though. You might just go... <gasps> nope, there is no chance of that. I'm <laughs> in, massy bros. <laughs> yeah, so we had the benefit of life at Jay and then uh, me ma kept winning everything. <laughs> yeah, fix. <laughs> it's rigged. It's fucking rigged. This is a load of bollocks. I, I lost count the amount of benefit nights I was at. Not by choice, just because I worked in the pub and there was loads of benefit nights. Like sometimes they'd have like jerseys signed by like all the Man United players and stuff. Like, really? You well, well just signed that yourself. That's a fucking great prize. Ronaldo didn't sign that. I'd have like a bottle of cheap wine. Oh yeah? Yeah. Who wants a bottle of cheap wine? Okay, here's some tickets. Purple 17. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a raffle at the live show. Darren and Joe's benefit yeah. night, all proceeds go to uh, Stahl. <laughs> just for equipment yeah, yeah 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 not cruises or anything no not of course not jeez no, no. <laughs> just to improve the podcast of course yeah like the, let's get new, new mics so. <laughs> like they're really good but like just get the sure ones yeah 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 yeah. sure 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 years ago I had a job interview for a, a hotel that was over in Blackrock and Marla knew that I was supposed to be going over for this interview and then when she came home she goes how did the interview go and I says, I didn't go. She goes, why not? I says, I was very, very windy, very stormy it was. I was afraid I was going to be blown into the sea. So I didn't go to the job interview. Really? it was very windy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just not arsed getting the job. Like, I was also like, ah, it's over in Blackrock. Like, do I really want to be going over there? I had a job interview for a garage on the day of my granddad's funeral. On the day of? Yeah. And did you go to it? Yeah, I didn't even go to my granddad's funeral. Did you not? I didn't even get the job. No, I went to the funeral, didn't go to the interview. Oh, okay. I also had an interview that I didn't go to for a job as a bin man. I, I want to know what that interview goes like. Oh, I didn't go. Why not? I applied for it. I was on the phone. They were like, gave an interview for blah, 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 whatever day and time. This is maybe like seven years ago. And I was with Amy at the time. Remember early days? And she's like, you don't want to be doing that. I'm like, why? Didn't go though. Why not? Because I got a job in the Shamrock. <laughs> oh, is that why? Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a rubbish job anyway. Wait. I'm here all day. It would have been a waste. A waste of time, yeah. Yeah. Wait. No. Uh, waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh. good. Yeah. How many more? <laughs> <laughs> I went for a job. Not not a job interview. I went for this was just for moral support. Okay. So my mate was going to Falter Ireland. Falter Ireland was a place on Amy Street where you go in and you're trying to be something in hospitality, whether it's a chef or a barman, a waiter. It was just it, dealt with hospitality and I went over for moral support and he went in he'd done his interview and then they said do you want to do an interview as well it's, it's a government scheme like said do you want to do an interview as well I was like uh, yeah why not and I went in I'd done an interview I didn't even know what I was interviewing for and uh, a couple of weeks later I got a call back and he didn't and, and you got <laughs> I got into the I got into the course and I was like oh for fuck's sake I feel bleeding off <laughs> was he snapping uh, no, no why did you just randomly say yeah just put on you and you're like Fuck it. Yeah, may as well. I wasn't walking either, but I just went over with him just to keep him company, like, and I just want to slaughter over us. What's the longest amount of time you, you didn't work for? That I didn't work for? First 18 years of my life. <laughs> the first job I had was when I was about 21, and I worked as a waiter in that fancy restaurant. And then, uh. The one that sold peas on the plate? Yeah. <laughs> was staying. And, um, I got sacked from that about three months later. Well, I didn't get sacked, I just never went back. I got in loads of trouble and I was kind of on my last warning and then I fucked up big time and then I just never went back. I never answered my phone and a couple of weeks later, P45 came in the post. <laughs> when I interviewed for the job in the TV station, it was like an hour long fucking 
interview and I thought I got it I was like I have this in the fucking bag how could I not get it I knew someone that walked in there and I says what's he going to ask me and I prepared flawlessly like I answered all the questions exactly how they should have been answered because I had a fucking heads up and then I got a call back like the same day saying that I didn't get it I was like oh, for fuck's sake and that's why I moved to New York it's not why I moved to New York then I moved to New York and then about six months later I got a call saying oh, there's a space that they're opening up here if you want to come back to Dublin and of course I was having a horrible time in New York so I did jumped on the next flight get me the fuck out of here and then I hated the job I was in. Couldn't be happy. Couldn't get a fucking break anywhere. <laughs> Do you have any interest in job interview stories? When I worked in the pub, the first night I worked there as a lounge boy. It's not the interview process, obviously. I got the job and blah, blah, blah. And everything's grand. And the first night I was there as a lounge boy, we stepped back after work for a point. And I was sitting there at the bar with like the manager, who was a barman as well. And then like the doorman. And he was saying that he's paying for the drinks, like, and I thought he meant, like, he's paying for them, all of them, like, and I was like, oh, thanks very much for getting them, you didn't need to do that, and he looked at me, he's like, I'm not, not paying for them, like, I'm just, I'll am just, i take your money off you and I'll pay for them, and just died on my hole sitting there. You died on your hole? Yeah, because I thought he was buying them. And he wasn't? No. So you had to buy your own drinks? Yeah, but I, I was like, thanks for that, and I was like, oh, thanks for that, I appreciate that. <laughs> Isn't lounge boy a funny word? <laughs> like a lounge boy I just imagine when you say that you're a lounge boy I just imagine you on the bar counter like hey <laughs> just lounging just lounging around yeah. lying on the bar now with people putting points on my stomach <laughs> I'm just lounge boy just lounging around is there such thing as lounge boys anymore yeah. yeah lounge boys lounge girls lounge people lounge does, yeah whatever your end is they're, uh, yeah, they're still gone and you, are they still called lounge boys and lounge girls? And that's what I'm asking. I don't know. Like they wait, waiters maybe or picking up waiting staff. Waiting staff. Wait staff. Yeah. Was that what you be? Did they serve food in your pub? Yeah. Okay. Dropped a, pl- a Sunday dinner over someone before. <laughs> I swear to God, it's only there a wet day, and I was going over because at the hatch, like you know, where the carvery served, the chef put on a plate on the fucking tray, and that and he's like, "Will you just drop that over to your man over there?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no bother." Look, and I. I took it down and it was a bit wobbly like there was gravy and all on it. And I walked over and I was like, here's your carvery or whatever. And the whole thing went all over him. The whole plate. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew I was new and he was like, oh, don't worry about it, son. Don't worry about it. It's covered in fucking gravy. Roast potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about that, son. Yeah, here's a tip. Here's a tip. What's the biggest tip you got? Oh, I got 200 quid one night. Off one person, I think I got like 50 quid before. 50 quid tip. The drug dealer. Drug dealer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah. They were going to the toilet every five minutes, you know, and I wasn't asking questions because he said, don't ask questions. Or I'll kill you. Or I will kill you. I know where you live, Conway. Yeah, you live around the corner. <laughs> you have a white door and a red car in the garden. <laughs> I went, ah. We'll follow you home. No, we won't say I'm from Fingers myself, like. He gave you a, a rolled up 50 euro. Good lad. And I remember the same fellow was at the bar. It was at a, like a function. And every person that came up that he was beside, they'd get a drink and get the change back. And he'd just go, tip him now. And I was like, tip me now. <laughs> Did you ever feel real sick? So there you go, another episode of the Starla 
podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. It's good, wasn't it? Learning about the fantastic. I, I love being educated on this podcast. Yeah, every day is yeah, a school. Way better than watching it on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I could pictures. just narrate every documentary on Netflix. Yeah, that would be great. An easy listen. What's it called? The Summerton Man. The Summerton Man. The Summerton. Or it is, sometimes it's called the Tamam Shud case because of the thing that was found in his pocket. If you're doing a bit of googling, which translates to it's finished. Hey, yeah. Tamam Shud. Style it as Tamam Shud. Huh? With this episode, anyway, is nice way to wrap it up, isn't it? Style it is a go loud original podcast. Oh, Proudly. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't forget to get your tickets for the live show. Oh yeah, don't forget to get your tickets for the live show. Um, don't forget to get your ticket for the live show. Don't forget to, to, to get the ticket. Anyone want to get tickets? Tickets there now, folks. Get your tickets to the Staller Podcast live the 29th of September in Vicar Street. Will you stall it? It'll be good crack. No, honestly, please, please, please. Will you come along? We want to see you there. We want to see you at Vicar Street. Without this podcast, it's nothing. It's just three fellas in a room talking to themselves. <laughs> That's right. Did you mean to say without you? This <laughs> yeah, podcast? that's what I thought. It was like, where's he going with this? Without this podcast, you are nothing. <laughs> oh, without this, without you, the without listener, you, this mm. podcast is nothing. And yeah. at the live show afterwards, we will be sending Darren out into the public to meet and greet. Well, that, that's and what I'm asking. I mingle. That uh, happened off me on the court. Myself and Joe will be sitting in the back. Mm-hmm. I was the only one at the last live show. I jumped down and I was talking to everyone. You're a man of the people. Shaking hands. How's it going? Thanks a million. I done a little bit of that and then I ran backstage because I thought you were gone. Turns out you are down getting the king's chair off all the people. <laughs> 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 I felt like I just won the Champions League. Harry down a Liberty Hall shoulder high. Yeah. <laughs> that definitely should be a crowd dive at this one though. Let's make that happen. Let's make that happen. All the strong people in the front row. We're going to need to well, sell all the like, tickets if we're going to have... A, yeah, we need to sell it out. A safe so. crowd. That. If you want to see Darren Conway crashing through a crowd and landing on the ground, come to Vicar Street on the 29th of September, will you? Get your tickets, book your tickets now, right now. If that doesn't sell it, I don't know what will. No, that's box office shit. I'd pay to see that. You'd pay to see him get hurt? So much money. A lot of money. You nothing for. You agree with him? Hurting a slapstick way? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but still be conscious and able to continue the show. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's going to happen at the end. Yeah, and we'll leave you out there with the people. And Joe will go back. He'll probably be drinking champagne and eating shrimp or whatever he does. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I do. Mm. I drink champagne and eat shrimp. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does. Yeah. And cheese boards. I'm going to get more to make a cheese board. More leave the cheese board back there, will you? Um, I was thinking of uh, maybe we could hand out some salads or something. Yeah, hand out time maybe. Yeah, maybe chopped can jump on board and <laughs> sponsor there. Just always just looking for an angle. Just stuff. Always looking for an angle. Like uh, mics and yeah, yeah, not holidays. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not for personal benefit. <laughs> We'll leave it there, so. We will. Style it as a go-loud original podcast, proudly sponsored by the legends at the Five Lamps. The Five Lamps, the beer from Ah here. Mm. The oh beer God, from yeah. Ah. Ah here. Yeah. It's from, it's from here. Dublin. It's from Ah. Is it yeah. from Dublin? Yeah, of course. It's from the Five Lamps. The fucking Five. I'm only noticing that now. Are you? No. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. See you at the live show. In person. Up person. close and personal. In the flesh. In the flesh, you're gonna see our flesh. Mm-hmm. It's not a pleasant sight, but you'll see it. This we'll... must be the longest outro ever. We're yeah. really trying to sell the show. I don't know if anyone's still listening. Are you still listening? No, they, they always want more. Are you still there? Hello, 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 hello. Uh, Graham. Oh, Graham's still there. Ashlyn. No, Ashlyn's gone. Ashlyn's gone. Graham's still there, though. Graham, what's the crack, man? You keep him well. See you after, Graham, right? <laughs>
Stall It with Darren and Joe, a Go Loud original podcast, proudly sponsored by Five Lamps. The beer from Ah Here. Try a local in your local. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie.